So welcome to this month's Kapnick Insurance Group Ask the Expert, and I am joined by a friend of mine and colleague at Kapnick Insurance Group, Erica White, to talk about diversity and inclusion. Erica, that is a buzzword. Everybody talks about it now in the corporate space. And what we want to discuss is a couple of things. One, how do you transfer from just being like a word, an idea, a thought, something that looks good on LinkedIn into actual practical reality for a company? What is the benefit beyond societal impact? And that's certainly a benefit, but what is the bottom line benefit of being a more diverse and inclusive business? And so, Erica, you had for years run the Diversity Inclusion Committee at Capnick. Now you're a member of that committee. So thank you very much here for joining us. Thank you for having me, Michael. So yeah, let's let's just start right there. When you I mean you hear it, diversity and inclusion, it's everywhere, everywhere. Disney does it and Walmart does it and Apple does it. And <laughs> everybody is diversity and inclusion. What does that actually mean to you? And not that we're gonna single out anybody who doesn't do it well, but I mean there's a whole difference between talking about it and doing it. Oh, absolutely. And I think you you hit it on the head with there has to be action. Right. So it's not just saying, hey, we're diverse, we're inclusive, we're equitable. What are you doing to show that diversity? What are you doing to show that inclusion? What are you doing to make things equitable for people that have been marginalized or historically disadvantaged? So I think it definitely starts with the intention of, you know what, hey, and that sometimes comes to just understanding where you are as an organization. And it's okay. Not everybody is going to be at the end of the, the marathon, and it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's something that is a journey, right? So we all will move towards that mark of where we're trying to go, but we're going to stay on that journey. So understanding where a company currently is and then making sure you have strategies in place to move the needle forward and being intentional about that. It has to be intentional. That's a word I use all the time, but it's it's so imperative because some folks do do it because it's trendy and because it sounds good and it looks good and it seems like the right thing to do. And then some folks just don't know where to start. There's a lot to unpack there, but it is one thing to apply that to the hiring process, Mm -hmm. right? And what that means, it's beyond just hiring minority candidates or candidates that are uh, in the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. That's one step, but it's also then well, once this person has come in or once we've had a number of employees, you have to follow up on those. Yeah, you have to follow up on those things. Absolutely. Then what is the question? Yeah. Okay, we've, we've, now we're diverse. So I like to think of diversity as who we are. I like to think of inclusion as how we treat the people that are there. So diversity is the people. Inclusion is how we treat those people. Equity is how those people are supported. So are are the people that we have in our organization receiving the support that they need? So it's not just, you know, when we're little kids, we're we're taught the golden rule, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Well, no, no. Let's take it a step further. Let's go by the platinum rule. Let's treat people the way they want to be treated because, you know, you you don't like to be called Mike. Your name is Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. So, and it's like, that's your preference. That's how you want it. I might want to call you, shorten your name, but that's not something as simple as that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think 
you know, again, um, and you you're you're very spot on with the whole hiring, you know, hiring, recruiting is one piece and then retention is another piece. So once we have set some intentionality behind, you know what, we want to be more diverse in the people that we attract to our company and the people that we offer jobs to. So you have to make things measurable, too. This is a feel good thing, but it has to be measurable because there has to be some accountability to someone to make sure that, you know what, if we're being intentional about being more diverse and inclusive, who's being held accountable for making sure that happens? So when we're hiring, you know, are we looking at every open position? What efforts are we taking to make sure we have a diverse candidate that we're considering? And then are we actually interviewing those folks? And then are we actually offering them a job? Mm -hmm. So all of those are things that are measures that you can start to look at well, I think what's really interesting too, and, and Eric and I had a little bit of a conversation before recording this podcast, but you know, she had brought up to me that Cabinet Insurance Group just finished the summer as we were recording this podcast and we had, I think, 17 interns. And how did we go about, how intentional were we about finding minority internships? I read something in Cranes about how a city, actually Grand Rapids, wants to create themselves as a great tech hub. And they didn't say, like, well, they're going to do this. They're going to become a tech hub overnight. They said there's a 10-year plan. You know, this isn't going to happen overnight. And we have to understand the insurance industry is an industry that has been traditionally white male. Mm -hmm. So it's not just saying, like, hey, we want to do this. It's understanding, well, we have a responsibility that is not just going to be measured maybe to your comments within a year, but maybe it's the measurement over five years, the measurement over 10 years. And what are we doing so that in 10 years, it is a far more diverse place than it is in year one? Yeah, I think a couple of things. So we didn't get here overnight, so things won't change overnight. Being patient and giving yourself some grace is important. You're on this DE&I journey as well. But again, there are short-term goals and then there's long-term goals. And so in the short term, with CAPNIC specifically, when we think about our internship program, when I kind of came to the company and I said, you know what, there's a business case for why we need to be doing DE&I work not only internally, but externally helping our clients. When we look at our internship program and we look at our industry, insurance is something that is not super diverse. You know, it's very white male dominated and white men of a certain age as well or a certain generation. So how do we just expose um, more diverse people to our industry, which is a a fabulous industry with a lot of great career options, a lot of potential. So looking at the internships is is a great place to start because you're getting students who are in college who haven't necessarily 100% made their minds up on what they want their careers to be. But if we can be intentional about providing internship opportunities for them and expose them, then, oh, now I know more about insurance and I know what a career might look like in insurance. So I think You know, those are conversations that I have very directly with our leadership. Like, hey, I'm noticing, you know, this is my first year, but I noticed we don't really have a lot of diverse interns. I think we can do better. And so I did provide some some ideas and resources on how to kind of cast a wider net when we're looking for interns. And we have definitely taken that feedback seriously and put it into action because our internship class this year was very diverse. I look at it as like how many opportunities I have to learn from other people as much as they have to learn from me. And so an intern, a minority, you know, intern, 
there's an opportunity for me to learn something from them. I've got to reach out to them and say, you know, I want all these 17 interns ideally to come back and work at Capnick, especially in an era where it's incredibly difficult to hire people. And so what am I doing? How am I learning? How am I getting to know them? How am I getting to understand like what their challenges are, what they're facing, whether you're man, woman, black, white, whatever, like getting to know everybody. And I think that's a big thing too, is, is in my own practice is understanding, like you said, not the golden rule, but how would I, how would I get to know, how would I spend time with someone who looked like me? If I'm going to do that, why don't I just do the exact same thing with someone who doesn't look like me? Absolutely. I mean, it's so, it's such a simple concept, <laughs> it but it's hard, it, it's hard to do sometimes because we just, we naturally have biases. I mean, we have some affinity biases. Like I may, you know, gravitate towards somebody who went to the same college that I went to or, you know, who has similar interests in me. And, and sometimes they may not look like, I mean, may, they may look a lot like me if if we have some similar interests. But sometimes once you take that step to get to know somebody that you normally don't talk to, you realize how much you might have in common with that person. And there's a quote that I like from um, Brene Brown, which is, um, it's hard to hate people up close. Yeah. That may not be the exact quote, but it's, the gist of it is get to know people, just talk to them, get to know them, reach out to people that, you know, maybe don't look like your typical social circle or put yourself in situations where you can meet more diverse people and get to know them and understand more about them. We all have a unique perspective and we all have something that we can gain and learn from each other. So our differences should be celebrated, not discouraged um, or not put aside necessarily and sometimes we agree to disagree on certain things, but it's okay, um, especially when you've gotten to know someone. So you you have that mutual respect for each other. I think this is one of the challenges that a lot of companies face and just a lot of people face in general is then there's almost like this trepidation of like having the conversations mm-hmm. and, oh, I, I, I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't yeah. mean to do that. Like the whole, the whole idea of being offended, ooh, I, should I have said that? Should I have right. not have said that? And the whole thing. And people then, I think probably one of the problems is that people feel like they've offended and then they're like more reluctant to even have a conversation. How do you navigate through? And that's one of the things that we, we try to do at Capnick. And I think Mm -hmm. it's usually every quarter we've had these meetings of everybody kind of getting together and and participating in these DEI meetings. But how do you wade through that territory when people are honestly on Mm eggshells, even though they really shouldn't be on eggshells? Yeah. I mean, I think the word grace is important here again, because nobody's perfect and none of us know everything there is to know about everything. I'm a certified diversity professional. I've worked in DE&I and supplier diversity, but do I know everything there is to know about diversity? No, I'm still learning. I'm always learning. I make mistakes. And I think when someone is on the receiving end of that offense, make it a teaching moment and approach the person in private because that may just escalate the situation if you try to do it, if it happens in a group setting. And people, nine times out of 10, they are very appreciative that you brought it up because they just want to know and they want to do better. Um, And I think that, again, people just need to understand, I'm going to make a mistake sometimes. So I can't be afraid to approach and get to know people because I'm afraid of offending them. And again, it softens things when the person that may be on the offending end can make it an educational moment or just, you know, educate the person on, you know what, maybe I didn't find it offensive or or maybe I did, or maybe a person from that marginalized group might find that offensive. So I think 
Grace is, again, just very, very important in those situations. Educating yourself, having some self-awareness, having some social consciousness and just cultural competency. And those are things that we can work on individually. We don't have to wait for somebody to teach us necessarily. But if your company has the budget and the resources to do that, absolutely, I think it's worth the investment. But it also has to be an ongoing learning situation. It can't just be a one and done. Um, So there have to be opportunities for people to learn over time. So beyond like this is good for society, beyond the fact that this is good for advancement of our culture, beyond the fact that like you can be an ally to someone, let's face it, there is a tangible benefit to the bottom line. Absolutely. Let's talk about that because if there's nothing else that drives a company or drives leadership to make changes, maybe this is it, that you can be more financially successful by being a more diverse and inclusive company. Absolutely, Michael. I don't have any statistics off the top of my head, but if you just Google it, anybody go to our friend Google and you will see tons of statistics out there that show companies that invest and are intentional about DE&I, intentional about supplier diversity. They have more profits. They have more revenue. They have better retention. They have better attraction of employees as well. So the talent aspect of that is important too because If you're in business to make money, which, you know, that's the goal of most businesses, right? The people in your business are critical to that. So the people that are working for your company and representing you, how do they feel when they come to work? Do they feel like they're heard? Do they feel like they're skipped over? You know, do they feel like someone cares about them? Do they have a sense of belonging? So all of that goes into the whole profitability piece and the, you know, this is actually a competitive advantage. And at some point it shouldn't be a competitive advantage because everybody should be on this train. But again, it's taking years. You know, there's systemic racism in our country. There's sexism and every other type of ism. So things that have taken years to do, you know, are going to take a long time to undo. So I think being patient with yourself, organizations and companies as well, when you're starting on your journey is going to be critical to not giving up because I think sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, DE and I need to solve this puzzle. I need to solve this problem. I need to fix it right now. And then when you do things and they don't work right away, then you get discouraged and you just kind of quit. So we don't want people to go that route. We want people to understand it's a journey. It's an elephant. Don't try to eat the whole elephant at, at once. Eat it one bite at a time and then build on it. Just continue to build on it. What percentage of businesses, I think almost all of them, to some degree, have a salesperson? Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so when you look at sales, how do you attract new business? It's through networking. It's through referrals. It's through me being able to reach one community, you being able to reach a different community, mm-hmm. somebody else being able to reach a different community. Yep. And I don't even mean that in terms of gender or race. I just mean like we all have different communities that Absolutely. we're a part of. So, you know, when you think about diversity and inclusion, there are so many silos, so many different communities that you have an opportunity to to expand into as a business owner mm-hmm. or as a business. And if you're constantly adding salespeople, you know, if you add more people that are across a lot of different races and genders and communities and the whole thing, you just have potentially increased your opportunities by a hundredfold. Absolutely. And again, there's a lot of data out there that supports exactly what you said. So The intentionality is critical and just understanding your own biases, 
understanding how to mitigate some of those biases, especially when you're looking to hire people, is critical as well. So, and one more thing I just wanted to mention, um, we didn't really get a lot into it, but once you kind of attract those diverse individuals to your organization, how do you keep them? You know, if they're a top talent, how do you keep them? They really need to feel that sense of belonging. And if they don't, as fast as they come in, they'll leave. So are you creating equitable opportunities for them? Are you giving them opportunities to grow in the organization? Are you giving them leadership opportunities or are, or are all your diverse people in your company at a lower level? You know, do you have um, diversity within the levels of positions that people are in in your organization? And if not, how do we develop and train and provide the necessary tools for those people um, to get to those levels or to be considered for those opportunities. And again, you know, how do we hold people accountable? So things have to be measurable in order to get done. I love it. Great stuff from Erica White. You can follow her on LinkedIn or email her erica.white at capnick.com. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you, Michael. 